Welcome to Poptopia. Welcome to Poptopia, your podcast for all things pop culture. I'm your host, Paul French, and it is Friday, January 4th, 2008. And today we're going to continue part two of the best and worst of 2007. Uh, yeah, we already looked at the movies, now we're going to look at other stuff. That's right, we're going to continue on the best and worst of 2007. And today we're going to focus on TV shows and comics and uh, what I loved and what I hated. So let's start off with TV. Okay, best TV of the year. First thing uh, is Dexter Season 2. Last year, over the holidays, I watched uh, basically in sort of a solid block over a couple of days uh, this, the full first full season of, of Dexter and just love the show. I, I think that um, it's, it's a great concept. It's a great twist on the serial killer concept because now the hero is the, uh, is the serial killer. And, and you actually find yourself rooting for the guy sometimes, even though in other, at other times you're actually uh, hoping that he gets caught. But, but then when it comes really close to him getting caught, it's, no, don't catch him, don't catch him, let him get away with it. Wait a second. And that's the thing that's really fascinating about it. And in season two, they actually use that concept throughout. Um, in season two, of course, uh, Dexter, um, the bodies of, of his victims are found. And, uh, and, and you've got everybody sort of saying, you know, I think the guy deserves a medal. He's killing the criminals. We need more, more like this to clean up uh, the city and all that kind of stuff. Um, it is a an absolute reviewer performance by Michael C. Hall, um, who was really good in in Six Feet Under. I'll, I'll give him that. He w- he was really good, but honestly, he's like a completely different person here, and that, my friends, is what they call acting. Uh, moving on, uh, other things I loved. Uh, Chuck. Okay, Chuck. Basically, basic premise here: you got the guy who uh, works for like a basically a Best Buy clone. He works for the Nerd Herd, um, and he uh, downloads this uh, super spy supercomputer into his brain. So he's got the, uh, the the two spies sort of keeping an eye on him. First cool thing. Uh, well, Ivan Strahovski. I mean, really. Second really cool thing is you've got Adam Baldwin, who's basically playing Jane again. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think he should always play Jane because I just think he's great in that kind of role. And what I'm talking about is the sort of the ultraviolent, the, uh, um, the just... There is no artifice with with him. Uh, you know, he is what he what he says he is, and uh, and he lives it and breathes it, and uh, and he, tough as nails and proud of it. Uh, also loved Journeyman, the late lamented Journeyman. Uh, fell, it fell victim to the writer's strike. Well, let's face it, it fell victim to bad ratings. Um, it fell victim to some comparisons to Quantum Leap, but really, it wasn't that. You had some some a great cast in here, some great performances, and also some interesting stories and interesting sort of uh, spins on the time travel line. Nothing that we haven't seen before in a lot of time travel movies. Nothing that we haven't read a lot in a lot of time travel books or comics or whatever. Uh, but certainly in mainstream time travel, this this stuff uh, isn't isn't typical, and uh, you, you know, capped off with a couple of great episodes. You know, this is going to be a great DVD to get. Um, I I, I kind of wish there were going to be more episodes. Though. I was really enjoying this show, um, as was my wife. She was loving it as well. Next up, Friday Night Lights. I know you're thinking, yeah, Paul, that's a football movie. I'm a show. I'm not really into football. Well, neither was I, but I'll be honest with you, it kind of got me interested. Um, of course, takes place uh, with the Dillon Panthers uh, who play football in Texas, which, you know, they take their football pretty seriously. 
and uh, you've got fantastic characters played by fantastic a- actors, especially Kyle Chandler and Connie Britton. Um, just some great performances across the board here. Uh, but they, they spend some time with the characters and, and really invest you in those characters' lives. And the funny thing is... Um, when the football starts, you find yourself rooting for them because of who they are. And, uh, and having gotten a bit more into, uh, into actual football, you know, NFL football, uh, this year, yeah, I found it really interesting, uh, sort of seeing that, uh, that segment of it. And, uh, so there we go. Uh, also lost. I know there's a lot of people hating on lost. I'm not one of them. Um, you know, I, I, there was a lot of problem with that that first block of episodes in season three, which, to be frank, take, took place in 2006, so it doesn't really count here anyway. Uh, but then they came back and they ran 17 episodes, uh, you know, all new episodes all the way through for the back half of season three and capped it off with just a hell of a, a cliffhanger and, uh, and a real game-changing episode. And uh, unfortunately, this year they're going to be coming back with eight episodes and uh, and then they're out until the writer's strike is, uh, is resolved. But we've got some uh, some great episodes to look back on and if they you know mine any of that territory it's going to be pretty exciting worst tv of the year okay first off moonlight i've talked about this one a couple of times basically this seems like the worst it looks like it's shot on a cell phone it seems like the worst sort of student film with some commercials slapped into it, thrown to uh, thrown to TV. I, I just found it incredibly disappointing, especially considering it's probably one of the shows I was, uh, well, it is one of the shows that I was really anticipating. Also on the worst TV of the year list, back to you. Uh, Kelsey Grammer and Patricia Heaton make their return to sitcom TV. They should have stayed at home. Yeah, it, just awful. Just awful. And the thing is, it probably could have been a decent workplace comedy. But they had to throw this curveball at the end of the uh, pilot, which has the whole thing with the daughter from a little, uh, uh, from a several years ago dalliance between uh, Grammer's character and Heaton's character, and that it, it just it just turned the whole thing lame. Like I say, you had a decent workplace comedy here, and they had to try and make it unique by adding this uh, soap opera compliment and uh, uh, um, soap opera compliment. What's an compliment? This soap opera element, and uh, it, it just that made it fall flat for me. Uh, next up, private practice. Now, they refer to this as Grey's 2.0 in a lot of cases, but really, it's a new version of Ally McBeal. It's, it's, it's Dr. McBeal. Um, you know, I'm just waiting for them to introduce the co-ed washroom. Um, you've got all these, all these things. Like, they had a great character in Kate Walsh's, um, in Kate Walsh's character, and they they just did nothing with her. They turned her into into Ali, uh, right right down to the dancing scene in the pilot, and it and it just got worse from there. Um, you know, Tim Daly, Amy Brenneman, call your agents. You're better than this. You deserve so much better than this. Um, and Marin Dungey, she's got to be thanking her her lucky stars right now. That said, the show's doing pretty well. So who am I to say, right? Next up, John from Cincinnati. So for this, we lost Deadwood. Seriously. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of David Milch, and that was the draw to me for this. And I watched that pilot episode right after the Sopranos uh, season or series finale. And wow, what a snooze. You know, I love David Milch back when he was doing uh, Deadwood, obviously, and even way back to uh, NYPD Blue. And, you know, I found that, that the thing NYPD Blue missed the most was when David Milch left it. But yeah, this was a complete snooze and just couldn't get into it. 
Viva Lachlan, canceled after only two airings, which was too, too many, if you ask me. And this one, as I said before, the problem I had with this was the... uh, I love the stuff in Vegas. To be honest, the fact that it was set in Vegas was actually more interesting to me having recently been married in Vegas um, because there's that nostalgia for the uh, for the backgrounds, you know, when they when they when they're going through the desert and that kind of thing. And so there was a sort a certain sentimentality to it for me, which was killed the second I heard uh, the the lead singing Viva Las Vegas uh, along with the recorded track of it. Um, you know, I think if you're going to go for a musical, then go whole hog. Don't go for this sort of singing along with a record thing. And, um, it, it, oh God, it was just horrible. Just horrible. So, uh, it could have been a great de- detective show if they'd got rid of the musical element, or it could have been great if they'd actually gone whole hog with the musical element. But, uh, but they did everything half assed, and, uh, and that just made for a bad show. Okay, so that's the best and worst of TV. Now let's talk about best and worst comics. Okay, first off. Uh, for best comics, I'm going to talk about uh, the first one, 52. And this was, we had five months worth of 52, and that's good enough for me. And uh, and certainly the best part of it was that, that this was where all the reveals happened. They set up a whole lot of stuff, and this was a weekly comic book series that um, basically looked at the at the missing year um, of uh, in the DC universe after Infinite Crisis, they went one year one year later, and so you, they flashed forward a whole year, and so you didn't know what had gone on in between, and they got into that, but they didn't just sort of go with what each character was doing. What they did is they picked a certain number of characters and they told a great story with those, and they told a few great stories along that that all ended up sort of com- starting to come together, and uh, did a, a just a superb job of it. And you had Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, um, Keith Giffen handling the plots. Then you had uh, a, a variety of artists uh, doing it, like or Keith Giffen would do the breakdowns. He would lay it out for the artists, so it meant made for consistent art style. And they never missed a shipping date, and they told a fantastic story. And that to me is just awesome. Um, second up, and now these next two, I'm going to be kind of cheating a little bit. So I got Matt Fraction. Um, for the basically, this is the guy. He came up with Casanova. He had uh, the Order, uh, which is the best of the Avengers Initiative titles, and. Most importantly, his collaboration with Ed Brubaker, Immortal Iron Fist. Like he says, who doesn't love Kung Fu Billionaire and he makes you feel it? Matt Fraction is one of those guys who is on my must-read pile no matter what he does. Uh, next up, Brian K. Vaughn is another one of them. And this is the guy who did uh, Why the Last Man and Ex Machina. Both fantastic series that, that were so excellent this year. And man, I'm going to miss Why when it finishes up at the end of this month. But then he writes on uh, on, on Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer Season 8, the Season 8 comic, right? Whedon's arc, eh, not bad. But Brian K. Vaughn actually seemed to get the voices of these characters a little bit better than Whedon's. And it's a beautiful thing. And the fact that he might be able to put out some more comics is the one bright light to the uh, Hollywood writer's strike. Uh, of course, Vaughn is a writer on Lost. So so we'll get a little treat for eight episodes with uh, with some of his contributions um, before it goes dark. But it means he's got time to write some more comic books. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Also in my favorites, uh, Booster Gold. A return to great comic book fun from Jeff Johns and Jeff Katz with Dan Jurgens, who created Booster Gold on art. And this is a fantastic time travel story. So to me, you got the, you got uh, the comic book action, you got time travel, and you got Rip Hunter. My, my favorite comic series of all time, Time Masters, uh, featuring Rip Hunter. It came out in, uh, it was a miniseries, came out in 1990, I believe, uh, 89, 90. And uh, finally being collected, of course, but I just recently completed the run. So, you know, if there's any runs you guys, if anything you want, guys want traded, you just let me know. I'll complete the run in the, uh, in the back issue bins, and then it'll happen right then. Uh, but yeah, Booster Gold is a lot of fun. It's what, uh, what comic books should be, and, uh, and, and we need more of it. 
Moving on to something completely different. Uh, Jared Way of uh, of My Chemical Romance, uh, along with Gabriel Ba, who was the artist on, Cas- on Matt Fraction's Casanova, see how it all comes together, uh, have put out the Umbrella Academy. And it's four issues in, and I'm just loving it. Um, and I'm going to be sorry to see that go when the uh, when the last two come out. I hope that it does well enough to consider more. And uh, and I love the fact that uh, that Jared Way is using this uh, is using this as a way to bring more people into comics, and uh, hopefully that works. So that's the good. Now, now to, let's move on to the bad. First off, countdown to Final Crisis. After 52 ended, well, DC Comics, they kind of liked that regular weekly revenue. So they came out with Countdown and uh, later t- retitled Countdown to Final Crisis because that is that which it is counting down to. That was a truly awful sentence. Anyway, um, it's everything that 52 wasn't. It shows uh, sort of what's going on with everybody in the DC universe, blah, blah, blah. And it is disjointed. It's all over the place. It is just a mess. Next up, Spider-Man, One More Day. Oh, God. Um, I, I don't even disagree in principle with the idea of it. And, you know, spoiler warning, warning here, but honestly, if you're into Spider-Man, you, you know this has happened because you can't have missed it. Um, ending the whole uh, Spider-Man, Mary Jane marriage. Um, this was done by using magic. And it just, it seems really lame in, in the context of a Spider-Man story. And uh, it, it was just a real ham-fisted way to do it. And when they were circulating rumors that this is how it was going to end, I thought, ah, they're kidding. They're spreading, uh, you know, disinformation. And it's because uh, no one would do a story that lame. And then they did. Okay, uh, moving on to delays, delays, delays. That's the next thing. And this, uh, I'm going to talk principally in the context. I mean, there were lots of delays. Uh, Spider-Man One More Day, in fact, was supposed to wrap up over a few weeks and uh, and took more than a few months to to do so. Uh, but I'm going to speak in particular in the context of uh, Batman and Superman. These are DC's, you know, two flagship titles, arguably. And what went on with them was uh, they hired, they had new creative teams that came out of one year later, and they started telling some stories. And then it got longer and longer between the books. And then they started doing fill-in issues. And, hey, I'm one of those guys who, I don't want it now, I want it good. Um, But when you start doing all the fill-in issues, it ceases to be good because I've completely lost the thread of where we are by the time the next issue comes out. And to me, it, it ends up looking like poor storytelling. When if I sat down and read it all together, it probably would be pretty good. And probably when it comes out in trade, it will be. But, uh, but it, you know, it... it Totally, totally ruined uh, Kurt Busiek's story, Camelot Falls, in the Superman titles, which was a fantastic story, but was split up so much, it was kind of, is it still going on? What, what's this happening here? You know, he had a whole bunch of little elements that were coming together to, to tell a story, and, uh, and it, it ended up being sort of ruined by all these constant delays. Uh, next up, World War Hulk. This was the big one. This is the the Hulk Smash series. This is, you know, Hulk got sent into uh, into outer space by by the Illuminati, which was basically Doctor Strange, Iron Man, uh, Mister Fantastic, Professor X, uh, Namor, and Black Bolt. And uh, I think by this time Namor had sort of taken his his uh, toys and gone home. But basically, they sent him off into space. You know, we want to keep you away from the Earth. We don't want you causing any more trouble. They sent him to this this war planet where we basically fought gladiator style. And Planet Hulk was a lot of fun. And this was supposed to be the one where he comes back and kicks ass because he's pissed and uh, and he wants everyone to to pay for what they did to him and uh, and to to his adopted planet because basically the ship blew up and all this stuff. Anyway, so so you had a great setup here, and he can come in and he can just kick some ass, and ultimately at the end of it, nothing happened. You know, there were some fights. There were a few big fights, but ultimately nothing happened. And this was the one that was going to change everything. And nothing 
happened. Next item, speaking of big events that are supposed to change everything in which nothing happens, uh, DC World War Three. Actually, maybe the problem is that too much happened. Um, in this one, a lot of people have been complaining that, you know, oh, in 52, it was, I thought it was going to show us what happened to Batman during that time. I thought it was going to show us what happened to Aquaman during that time, blah, 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 blah. And uh, they showed all of that in, in this issue and it, in, in this little miniseries, this four-issue miniseries. Um, and it was awful. I mean, basically, what you needed to know about World War III was covered in one issue of, uh, of 52. And this, to me, was was indication that it is so good that they did what they did with 52 and told an actual story rather than trying to fill in all the blanks of what happened one year later. Um, so anyone, you know, and there's people out there who have called 52, 56 because, oh, you need the World War Three issues to follow it. No, you don't. They have nothing to do with it. It was awful. Let's just put it out of our minds and enjoy 52 for what it was, which was a great story. And realize that because they, they did World War III, maybe that's what led them to the idea that, hey, let's follow the whole DC universe in Countdown. And that's why Countdown is so awful. And again, just proof of that what they did with 52 was the right thing. So that is it. That's the best and worst in television and comics. Uh, hey, do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know. Uh, send a message to poptopiapodcast at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts. Send me an audio comment letting me know what your favorites and least favorites were of the year. Um, or you can go to the forum at uh, uh, www.thecomicforums.com and you scroll about halfway down, you'll see the Poptopia forum. Sign up. Uh, let us know your thoughts there. It would be great to see you. And, um, and that's it. So that's all the time we got for today. We'll be back next week with uh, more regular episodes. And uh, hey, look at this. I'm a super, it's a supersized episode this time around. Um, so uh, needless to say, we'll be back to 15-minute episodes next week. Again, comments, welcome at poptopiapodcast at gmail.com or check us out on the forums. Have a great weekend.